What's up? Happy Friday. I am Brian Scott Rippey. This is another edition of the Rippey Rides podcast. It is Mailbag Friday, the triumphant return of the people's holiday. Six days since the last one. I guess seven by the time you're listening to this. Joining me as he always does, or at least since the inception of this podcast every Friday, is Colin Brister. We got a ton to cover today. We'll take your mailbag questions. We'll get into some Ole Miss roster news. Probably a little NIT stuff, even though I know that didn't really move the needle. Tons of Ole Miss baseball and uh, whatever else kind of pops up in between. What's up, man? Not much, not much. Just uh, enjoying the NCAA tournament that we didn't get last year. Like I saw some people complaining about Wichita State Drake playing a 53-52 game. I'm like, man, this is art. Because last year at this time, I was watching Mexican soccer. So, you know, I mean, uh, just, just enjoying that we have an NCAA tournament to watch and that people are partaking in this year. Could not agree more. And, you know, my college basketball fandom, I would say it's always been stronger than average, I guess, throughout the entirety of my life. Always been interested in it. I used to be a little kid and love it more than the NBA. I kind of go back and forth now. The NBA playoffs are awesome. The regular season product, particularly this year, is tough. But, like, March Madness, regardless, I think, of your level of college basketball fandom, I think most people appreciate just the drama and the spectacle that it is because it's really just nothing like it. I mean, it's 16 games all day, every day for two days, then eight and eight. And then every, I mean, you know, once you get down to the Sweet 16 and all that, every game is almost a must-see matchup. And just not having it last year was was really depressing. And I know, like, the pandemic was new and all that when this was happening, and we were mostly just in shock that everything was getting canceled, right? This gets canceled. Baseball season got canceled. I almost, I had a take the other day talking to someone about it. Don't you think, like, say this pandemic had happened in November, and you're because remember we just kept being told two more weeks, two more weeks, and I'm not like blaming anyone for that. We just didn't know anything about this. I had to take that. I think canceling March Madness four months into the pandemic would have hurt more than the beginning. Oh, uh, I here, here's a take for you. I don't think they would have. I think they'd have figured out a way to play the nine hundred million dollar tournament with four months into this thing. I, I just figured. I think they'd have put some high school teams in it if they had to. But if they had four months to prepare for a $900 million tournament, I think they'd probably just get it done. That's probably a fair point. I would argue, I guess the counter argument to that would be it took the NBA about that time, maybe three yeah. months, and it took some ridiculous planning and a ton of money, which the NCAA has. I'm not saying they can't yeah. do it. Um, but if you're, going, if you're doing a competency power rankings, I'm going to go NBA one, NCAA two. So I don't disagree there. They probably would have found a way. Yeah, but, I mean, it, it was like – I mean, the NCAA tournament's awesome, man. It was, it, and I'm not near probably the college basketball fan that you are, but, like, I just watched a game where a ball was in the air and it decided whether Wichita State season is over or Drake season is over. And, like, this kid misses it by six millimeters of a – you know, six millimeters, and Wichita State season ends. Like, that sucks for them, but that is awesome drama. It is. In the first two days, it can happen five times a night. And even the second time, I mean, most of the time, it happens at least once or twice once you get into the round of 32. It's just, it's just great stuff, and I'm glad it's back. And to be completely honest, I haven't turned it on yet. I can't wait. You know, we're recording this on a Thursday night, full disclosure, trying to get it out of the way before Michigan State, UCLA. I was in the office today, um, kind of still that hybrid schedule. So I haven't actually been able to turn it on uh, much today. But obviously, tomorrow – um, Friday, or Friday, as you guys are listening to this. During the People's Holiday, I would definitely be partaking in the NCAA tournament. And then, honestly, it's going to be kind of awesome. I know it doesn't necessarily affect you right now because you're on spring break, but having the second day of the round of 64 on a Saturday is going to kind of kick ass for a lot of people. 
Yeah, that, that is awesome for a lot of people. Not for me. I will be in Swayze uh, at 1.30 on Saturday, so it kind of screws me up a little bit. But, yeah, I, uh, I'm kind of, you know, happy about the Sweet Six or the round of 32 games happening on a Monday afternoon. Uh, as I told someone earlier this week, there's not going to be a lot of adverbs learned in Coach Brister's room come Monday. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the funny part about it is I just make that statement, and once you said that, it, talking about Swayze and baseball, it kind of brought me back. Covering baseball, I love the fact that it was Thursday, Friday, because I got the full day Thursday and part of it until the Friday night game at Swayze right. Saturday to enjoy it. And now that I have an office job and I'm just some schmuck, um, I'm celebrating it's on the weekend. So, so wait, are you in the office tomorrow? No, I'm work from home tomorrow, which is okay. on, which is pretty awesome, right? Like uh, I, that timing worked out. Would you like, be able to? World. Would you be able to watch games from the office, or is it is it kind of like strictly forbidden there? I don't know if it's like strictly forbidden, but if I had like a huge monitor up in my cubicle all day, they'd be like, "Get a load of this asshole!" But I don't know. If, <laughs> you know, I don't know if they particularly just be, "Hey, shut that off" or whatever. Um, and I guess if I was getting work done and just had that on in the background, I don't think they care because, I mean, how they have TVs in our cafeteria and stuff like that. Right. I, uh, I, I just don't think they want me, like, you know, pacing back and forth glued to whatever game is on. <laughs> what, you talk cover the three? Yes. All right. Yeah, you got that ad script done? Like, hold on. We're, we're, we got 90 seconds to decide this. <laughs> <laughs> My bank account will let you know. So, anyway, I'm glad I'm working from home for the Friday of the NCAA tournament. We got a lot to get into today, though. I'm pretty pumped up about this podcast. We have uh, tons to cover, and I guess we'll start with some mailbag questions um, before we kind of get into baseball, and we'll just kind of see where that takes us. So, let's start with the mailbag questions, and then we'll just kind of see where that takes us. We'll, uh, I'm, I think the mailbag already addresses most of the topics we we're going to cover anyway. So we'll uh, we'll just kind of go from there. So let's uh, – I didn't even do a last call this time. Let's see. I'll put that out right now as we're recording. We'll let it come through. This is great podcasting work. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Here's the timing. Uh, um, let's start from the bottom. We'll, uh, we'll do a topical one first. Let's, right. uh, why don't we just go straight baseball? What's the answer to fill the DH first base spots? Well, uh, that's an interesting question because it's not Kel Baker who's now out four to six weeks with a broken hamate bone. Um, I think, you know, I think he asked it in the terms of DH first base. Your DH has been Van Cleve, who's hit a lot better as of late, has a 260 average. OPS isn't as high as it needs to be, but he's your DH. So now it's who plays first base slash left field slash, I guess, third base if you needed to move Elko. Um, and your options, honestly, at this point are T.J. McCants and Trey LaFleur. I guess if you wanted to say John Rice Plumley could maybe slide into an outfield spot, you could play Graham at first base, sure. Um, but I think realistically the options are LaFleur and McCants. And uh, just by, based on who's played the most lately, I think they're going to give T.J. McCants every opportunity to earn that left field spot. Um, that was who came in for Baker when he was injured on Tuesday night. And I, if you made me bet, I think he is in the lineup when Auburn rolls into town tomorrow night. Yeah, so that was just an absolutely horrible podcast tease job by me. We got to talking about the NCAA tournament, and I just screwed the, I screwed up the news that happened uh, right before we hit record. So, obviously, Chase Parham, buddy of ours, um, re- reported just moments before we hit the record button that uh, Kale Baker is out four to six weeks, typically, the recovery time with a broken handmate bone, and that is a bone in your hand that seems to connect, I think, kind of the hand to the, to the wrist. Uh, yeah. yeah, in the wrist area. 
Um, yeah. I say that as if I knew that off the top of my head. I'm literally on WebMD right now as we speak. My initial reaction to this, I know we talked about this right before we started recording, was like, obviously, I mean, it sucks the kid got hurt. Like, you wish him hope he'd speedy recovery. But in terms of an old Miss standpoint and the consequences, I was kind of like, eh. I mean, he wasn't hitting. He's certainly not giving you a ton defensively uh, at first base. He's not awful. But, you know, he's in the lineup to hit, and he wasn't hitting. And it was probably turning a direction where you he wasn't going to see a ton of time anyway in the coming weeks unless something drastically changed. So outside of a depth piece, this is not the biggest deal for an, from a team standpoint. No, it's – look, you'd obviously prefer him to be healthy or not. I mean, you all the depth you're going to have uh, is, is nice. But, I mean, the way he was swinging the bat, it's not like, you know, his statistical uh, – numbers are not replaceable by any stretch of the imagination so yeah i mean look it's not it's not gunner hoagland it's not peyton chatney getting hurt again it's you know look I, obviously like you said we hate the kids hurt but it's you know there there are options to replace him whereas there's not many options to replace the justin bench or peyton chatney or a tim elko yeah and so that's a good point and so going back to his question, what's the answer at first base and DH? Obviously, for the foreseeable future, you've eliminated one candidate, Nikhil Baker, who's drawn, would you say, half the starts there? I can't – I mean, I'm not counting off the top of my head, but roughly half the starts at first base this year? I would, I would, I would go a little bit more than half. Yeah, probably between half and two-thirds, that fair? What, yeah, they yeah, yeah. 18 games. He's probably started 12? Yeah, yeah, 11? yeah. And you got to remember, he missed the first three with COVID. That's right, he did, and probably would have started all three of those, don't you think? Yes, he would he would have, yeah. Okay, so okay, so you, I liked your answer, but I, like I was trying to unscramble my brain without looking at one of Mike's lineups card on Twitter uh, the first week. So you're talking about how they're giving McCants every opportunity to win the the left field job. Is that are you saying you're a fan of the Kevin Graham at first base or no? Uh, I mean, I don't think. Look, I know he had some blunders uh, in 2019 when he played it for the first time in his life. I don't think Kevin Graham's a bad first baseman. No, I think he's fine. I think if T.J. McCants is, is good enough to play in left field, that, that Kevin Graham playing first base is not a net negative for Ole Miss. But that was what you were insinuating? If he You're right, yeah, yeah. Game. Kevin Graham would go to first base. That's what I thought. He was the kid – I remember being down in Baton Rouge. Was he not the kid that had the, yeah. the, the big brain fart at first base and what sucked yeah, about that, was that game? Was he actually – what did he do? I'll, I'll for, refresh my memory. So, he, he fills the ball, and he's extremely close – not extremely close, I shouldn't say that. He's closer to first base than the pitcher who was running over to cover it, and he tosses it to the pitcher, and the pitcher is like, who was Etheridge? And Etheridge looked down and was like, bro, what are you doing? Gives him the ball back, and he tries to go and cover first base. <laughs> That's right. So, he essentially tossed it backwards. He tossed it further away from the base. Yes. Well, he tosses it to Etheridge, who then tossed it back to him. Yeah. So – if I'm not mistaken, they got beat that night and then won the yeah. next night. And then we talked correct. to Graham the next night. And luckily, everyone was in a good mood after they won. So as we were walking off and we were done with the questions, I just kind of like in a very soft uh, – So I don't think I said this directly, but I was like, hey, man, what happened on that thing? And kind of grinned. And he just kind of shook his head and was like, I really don't know. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes things just happen. But what's the, the crappy part about that game and what Noah remembers is he had that blunder, but he made four or five, particularly for having very little to no experience at first base. Pretty damn good plays last night. Two, I remember two off the top of my head in terms of ground balls hit to him and a couple of decent scoops. And so that kind of marred it, but he actually played decent that night from what I remember defensively. 
yeah, no, he's not a bad first baseman. I mean, he's perfectly fine. I mean, if he was a bad first baseman, they would put Elko at first base and play him at third base, or, or you know, just play Lafleur over McCants. It would be bad. They wouldn't want. They wouldn't play a bad first baseman. So, or like Lafleur over McCants. Um, yeah, I mean, look, he's fine. Um, so it's pretty much. Do you do you want to go TJ McCants or Trey Lafleur? And I think they got four weeks to figure that option out before Kel Baker gets back into the fray. Yeah, so I was going to kind of follow up. There's one question. more option, though. There is one more option. Lay it on us. The guy that starts on the mound tomorrow night. I mean, I, you, I'm just saying. You've been teasing this for a couple before. weeks. Do what? You've been teasing this possibility for a couple weeks. All right. So, it, it, I have a logistical question that you might know the answer to, but I do not. Um. Do so, Doug McKaysey, uh, Gunnar Hoagland, and, and Will Etheridge, let's just say that, were the starters in 2019. When those got when Omus would play on road trips, like on Tuesdays, um, at like Hattiesburg or you know, wherever they would go, would those guys go? Like, would the starting pitchers go or would they stay at home? Do you know? No, I know most of the time they would stay at home if at all. Gunnar Hoagland went to Louisiana Tech on Tuesday night, I'm pretty sure. I just kind of thought that was interesting. That is interesting. Um, pretty – and look, I, I don't know. I'm not insinuating anything. I just – I'm pretty confident he was in Ruston. So, my question then becomes why. If Doug Nikhazy were healthy, and I think they may have changed the way they're doing things, and it may just I, – I, I, again, I don't, I, I don't know this off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure in a normal world, Doug Nikhazy healthy as their Friday night starter, if they're going to Ruston or whatever, he's probably not making the trip. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, and maybe it meant nothing. Maybe you just had to throw a bullpen that day. I don't know. You could throw the bullpen in Oxford, though. Um, I don't know. I just – if he was in Ruston, and I was told he was uh, – that sounds kind of interesting. Look, and, and I know I've joked about this some and teased this or whatever. Um, Gunnar Hoagland can hit at a division one. Like, this isn't some project. The kid, if he grabbed the bat, would be a division one hitter. Now, look, would he take time? Sure. Um, they have to weigh a lot of different things. Do you want to put your Friday night guy up there uh, with his – because he's a left-handed hitter with his right arm exposed to the pitcher and possibly take a 92-mile-an-hour fastball off of it, and then your rotation screwed. They have to weigh a lot of different things. Um, to the point where, you know, maybe you don't even want to do that. You'll just have a black hole in your lineup and play the better defensive guy. I don't know. I just – I do know – I like some people talking about this yesterday. It's like, would – you know, could he even compete at a Division One level with play? Yeah, absolutely. Like, he, he is a Division One hitter. Um, it's just they have to weigh, you know, if they ever got to that point, whether it's worth it or not. That was never even really a question out of high school, too. You knew he could hit, and we joked last podcast – uh, about Mike lying to the people because media day in 2019 when Gunner was announced as the Sunday guy as a freshman he was asked if Gunner was going to hit and his answer was I'm pretty sure this is almost word for word it doesn't change the context he said Gunner will hit but not this year yeah well I'm counting on my my hands I don't think he has any years left well he's technically just a sophomore but yeah he's gone so this is it <laughs> Maybe Mike thought he had him for four years. I don't think Mike's for. I, I don't think he's forgotten about it. Like that, that, that conversation has been had. Don't you figure at this point? If you had to bet whether that conversation has been had yes. in the last ten days? Yeah, I, I mean, I look. I don't have any insight on that, but yeah, I mean, if, if look, if you look at how, you know, 
Ben Van Cleve aside, you've got seven guys that are pretty much mainstays that have been pretty decent this year. I mean, you've got that spot in the lineup that's not, just not producing. I'm sure they've gone through everything. And right now, I mean, he can't be, you know, too far behind what you've put out there so far. So, yeah, I, if you're making me bet. I, I believe that conversation's probably been had in the last week to ten days. Sure. Wrapping up this thought before we move on to the next question, uh, Hogan possibility aside, so throw that out the window for a second, although I find it very fascinating. The Ole Miss is the best offensive version of itself with what? I mean, is it Kevin Graham at first base and just hoping to cancel the floor hits or something? Um, it's, it's So the best offensive version of itself is trailer floor at first base and Kevin Graham in left field, and all the potential that trailer floor has comes out. That being said, you know, potentials, you know, it's it's talent that hasn't been used yet. So, you know, I mean, you you don't know if he's ever going to – I'm not going to say ever. You don't know if this year is going to be the year where, he, where he's able to display that. Um, but, yeah, that's the best offensive version of the sale, especially with Baker out is, is trailer four playing first base and Kevin Graham in left field. That being said, um, I mean, look, there's there's some things that when you watch trailer four play, I mean, he's, he's not necessarily had great at-bats all year. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's tough, but I, I do think it's pretty much come down to this weekend. At least those two guys are going to get the uh, crux of the at bats and you'll just rotate Graham to wherever he needs to be. I did find it interesting that, um, they said McCants is, I think Clem said it on a podcast, uh, maybe Ben's that I listened to McCants has taken ground balls and played some first base. So, I mean, if you wanted to, you could just play them at first base and leave, you know, Graham in the left field, I guess. Uh, he's played, you know, left field, I guess, two games. Well, he played it Saturday and then he played it on Tuesday. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, I, I think if you made me – if I was setting the lineup, I would have LaFleur in there. But I do think it's kind of obvious to me that, you know, the way they replaced him on Tuesday, that, that they want to give McCants every opportunity. I had, the, I had this thought driving somewhere, and I think it was like right after the last time you and I recorded, so I guess that would have been Sunday night. Outside of the two corner outfield spots, don't you think – first base is the most malleable position on the field. Like it made me think of that scene in Moneyball, you know, Scott Hatterberg picking machine um, where Billy Bean wants to play him at first base, but the corn dog manager doesn't cause it doesn't make sense. And he ends up being fine. Like outside the corner outfield spots, don't you think you can make it work there? Like more so yes. than most places? Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, I mean, Mike's kind of shown that over time, right? Like, I mean, he just, you know, randomly threw Will Golson at first base one year. I was, year. About, I was about to bring that up. The, the yeah, I mean, Wilson he randomly threw it. Kevin Graham at first base in 2019. Um, you know, so, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think uh, I think that's certainly possible because in 2019, who did who was the DH in 19? Oh, or, well, I guess it was Zabowski, yeah, because Zabowski had some trouble at first base. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think if you had to – just throw a guy at a position that you know had some had some you know you don't you, they don't need to be short but as long as and tj mccants is not as long as they're pretty tall yeah and athletic you, you can make first baseman out of a lot of people we've got plenty more to discuss on the rebs baseball front but i do not want to get to all of it right now let's change gears a little bit and say who's uh we get another question that says Who's your Cinderella team in this year's NCAA tournament, which is a perfect transition to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. What is Skybox Sports Picks? It is one of the leading handicapping sites in the uh, sports gambling industry. They're inventor of the Skybox Interval Matrix, a proven system through years of crafting that is 
been tested, refined for two years and become a proven system. They're hitting at 56% on college hoops this year and 61% on max plays. That, if I'm doing the math, is profitable. And March Madness is around the corner. They've got all kinds of packages. You can buy a year-long pass. You can buy for particular seasons. You can buy for a day. They've got a special March Madness package for 25 bucks. You can do all of the NCAA tournament picks for them. You can do a day pass for 10 bucks. How good of a deal is that? You just pay 10 bucks. You get the picks for a day if you like it. It's pretty much just laying down the juice on one bet. It's hard to beat that, huh? Absolutely. Absolutely. Check them out. They know their stuff. Like, you know, you get a lot of these fringe guys that are kind of BSing it. Like, they tell you they're hitting or whatever. Their record is there for show for it. The site's legit. You need to check these dudes out. Skybox Sports Picks, the premier handicapping site in the industry. I wouldn't steer the wrong way. These guys are awesome. And the best part about it is, if you put in the promo code RIPPY, you get 20% off any purchase on there. So, at worst, if you're watching March Madness tomorrow and you don't, at very worst, do the wor- the one-day picks, that's an $8 purchase for a day's worth of picks on the two greatest sports or basketball days, uh, gambling days of the uh, of the year. You're just doing yourself a disservice. That's a tiny juice. It's a, it's, an inv- it's a small investment for a huge profit. Absolutely. That is a good deal. Um, you know what they're good at, too? And I don't know a damn thing about this, and I told them that, too, but I find it humorous. They are apparently absurdly good at handicapping NASCAR. How about that? I saw that. I saw that in the uh, in the tweet. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, NASCAR, <laughs> that was all there was to watch a few months ago, man. Look, you tackle – yeah, exactly. Why don't we tackle March Madness? Look, actually, do whatever you want. I encourage you to go buy the year-long pass. Do, like, <laughs> go, go splurge. It will be worth the money. But if you're wanting to tackle one, uh, one, one challenge at a time, once we get through March Madness, feast your eyes on NASCAR because these dudes – print money on nascar it's actually kind of fascinating and i'm just in the short time we've been affiliated with them i feel like i've learned a little bit more about nascar um you should check them out though i looked at their i got sent the bracket the other day and i will tell you there's one team that uh that is supposed to make a deep run or at least they're projecting that you would never guess and you need to go pay and check it out because you're just uh wasting money and you don't want to be on the wrong side of that so check them out skybox sports picks happy to have them to be a part of the podcast they're uh Great dudes. Hopefully get one of them on and make some picks later. But uh, that being said, who is your Cinderella this year? Syracuse. Okay. Why? Sir, it, like that doesn't feel like one, but they're an 11 seed. I think they're better than San Diego State. And I think the way they play is going to give Virginia, West Virginia all sorts of problems. Uh, so I think they are in the Sweet 16. And then they're probably playing Houston, which – and I think Houston's a good team. But, look, man, I mean, tell me Syracuse beats Houston. I'm not overly shocked. So – yeah, that's, that's who I'm going with is uh, Syracuse as an 11 seed. I'm going with the Winthrop Eagles. And Winthrop Eagles. Okay, so they're going to beat Villanova. Who's their four seed? Their four seed is – so Greg and I filled out a bracket on Wednesday's show. I posted it – or, yeah, posted it in the Wednesday newsletter as well. Let me pull it back up real quick because I can't even remember my own picks right now. I, um, I'm acting like I have some out there take. That is actually Bracken's Cinderella, and I kind of did a little bit of research on it. I was like – Okay, I can see this. They're four seeds Purdue. Uh, yeah, Purdue's beatable. Very beatable. I actually have an upset pick tomorrow. Actually, that's one of them. I think North Texas beats Purdue tomorrow. Okay, I like that. I, that was one of those ones we went through. If you listen to the Wednesday show, me and Greg almost pulled the trigger on that. But I, to, to be completely truthful, I didn't know enough about North Texas. I know I'm just not high on Purdue. So that would be who Winthrop would play if they get through a Villanova team. As there we go. A Winthrop-North Texas uh, round of 32 matchup. That is a ratings bonanza. <laughs> you know CBS would love that. 
<laughs> but the best part about the tournament is for them, right, they can't care that much. I know they did this first four game, Michigan State, USA, obviously for TV. But like, that's kind of the beauty of this tournament, right? You're watching, you're watching. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you don't really care. You, if you're watching, you've got a bracket or you got a bet or something. So there's a reason you have the TV on. Yeah, there's because there's nothing standalone, right? So, no. like, you know, there's just five other games on. So, anyway, Winthrop Golden Eagles, I uh, I like your Syracuse pick. It's kind of weird to say that as a Cinderella, but you're right. I mean, the hell, they're an 11 seed. Um, but I don't hate that pick either. As And I say that as a man that has Houston in the Final Four. Ooh, I haven't filled out a bracket yet. I need to do that tonight. Uh, yeah, we, uh, I tried to do that on a podcast on Wednesday. I have no idea if it was any good or not. I don't know how in the hell uh, filling out a bracket translates to audio since you can't see said bracket. But Greg and I had a great time. Greg said he's watched two teams this year, Ole Miss and Illinois. So that was, his, <laughs> that was what he went into the bracket pick them armed with. I love that. I love that. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I said. It almost made it better. So those are our Cinderella picks. We'll, uh, we'll do a little out there one as a little change of pace here. Silly man, chilly man. God, I love the internet. Um, you're a burglar, but you can always steal things that would cause a mild inconvenience. What are your top three targets to steal? Well, I think one of oh. them is obvious. Toilet paper. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And you could argue I that. Tell you, I tell awesome. you something I'm big on that I run out of and I don't want to go get. Do you wear contacts? I do. Yeah, some, some solution. Some solution. That is a very that is a good one too. That's a that's a very annoying inconvenience. And it, if you run out of solution, it'll prompt you to be bad about taking your contacts out at night. Yep, yep. If I had unlimited solution, I would be. It'd be really nice. Yep. Do you? Uh, so I've noticed this too. I sleep better when my contacts are out. Yeah, I do too. And God knows, my when I wake up in the morning, my eyes feel so much better. It's brutal. So he's asking us to pick three targets. We'll go two combined because I think I mean, we'll combine it because I think two's. I think yours was a good one too. The third one. Oof. I don't know. What would it would just be annoying as hell that you would have in a house? Oh, TV remotes. Take all. Of them. Yeah. There you go. Does that even there count you. as a mild inconvenience? Because I would want violence. <laughs> it's so so far remote. I bet. Can you take the TV? Have you ever like watched TV, TV by yourself? Like you're completely by yourself at the apartment, and you can't find the remote, and you just start yelling at like random things. It's like, how in God's name can I lose the remote? Like you start yelling at yourself over the remote because I do that at least twice a month. I was about to say twice a week. So I I have a streaming <laughs> deal out here in my thing. So the remote, it's one of those Roku deals. So the remote is tiny as is, and I lose yeah. all the time, and I get pissed, and I start flipping over couch cushions, and then like. You know, it'll be in my hand or on the coffee table or something, and then I'm just pissed I have to put the cow's cushions back together. Um, did you? I listened to a pod, a buddy of mine in college. I listened to a podcast that made me think of this one day. Taped, uh, he he taped or glued he glued his remote to a two by four, so it couldn't Love be. Love that. Love that. But the problem is when you come in, they had a really comfortable couch, so when you come in, you know had a couple of beers at the bar or whatever, and you're about to jump on this couch and lay down or sit down or whatever, and boom, two by four in the butt is not great. Oh, so he, he, he like, glued it on the couch? No, no, no. So it's just a two by four in the remote. But, you know, in, you know sophomores in college are not always putting the remote back in the place on the coffee table or whatever. So, you know, you got a blanket on the couch or something, and the two by four in the remote's under the blanket. You can't just plop down on the couch. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a good point. It's a good point. But you don't lose it. That was the best part. No. Uh, it's, it's, it's like a trade-off, but yeah. 
And then another deal is watching TV with a group of dudes. If a guy doesn't know how to change the channel up correctly in between games, that can get contentious real quick. I know once knew a dude who used to take the remote into the bathroom because, by God, if he was watching TV, he was driving and no one was taking over. <laughs> no, like, that's the worst. I've been at watch parties, like, where I'm watching a football game or something. But, like, like say it's before Ole Miss plays. And, you know, maybe I've got, you know, I don't know, Tennessee minus three or something. I go pee, and, like, the channel's gotten changed. And, and you want to talk about violence being, you know, an option. That, that, that feels like one right there. Right, it's that. And then, you know, people halfway paying attention, and you look up and you've watched 90 seconds of commercials when there's 12 games on. It's like, hey, what, what are we doing? Let's, let's get a second <laughs> one. That's the worst. <laughs> Somebody hit the previous button, please. Yeah, like, come on. Like, learn how to drive this ship. So – uh, we'll go back to a topical question because we were talking about it earlier. Uh, Tucker Italiano asked a good question. Uh, you actually answered part of this uh, responding to him. Does Hogan's development potentially intrigue future guys such as Jackson Job to look at the college route? I know it's a reach, but it happens from time to time. Seems to be becoming more prevalent. Uh, you just set the table here if you want. All right. I'm going to ask you some questions to answer this. Um, let's just let's, – what year did you graduate? 2017 undergrad. No, 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 no. High school. Oh, 2013. 2013. All right, let's go back to 2013. If I offered you $1.7 million to go to the major league, uh, I don't know, go to the Orioles and go play in some godforsaken city in the middle of uh, Iowa and, you know, you're there. Um, or you could go to Ole Miss. You could be there for three years. You're probably still going to get at least $1.7 million. There's a possibility you get more. You're going to have an insurance claim on you where you're not going to get less than $1.7 million because the school can pay for said insurance policy. Um, and the likelihood that you pitch in the professional ranks, and I'm talking about actually making Major League Baseball, um, is much higher. Do you, do you go to Ole Miss or do you go straight to the Major Leagues? See, I'm the wrong person to ask. Like, I, your point is well stated and well taken. The right answer here is to take it. But if someone shows me a check for 1.7 at 17, 18 years old, I'd be like, "Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll see you guys." Wow, like I, what is baseball? Like I, I sign this and I get this. But your point is well taken. And I, I did a story on this a couple years ago with the two sport guys. Um, you know, I talked to Sinquez Golson and Anthony Offord, and Offord's not really relevant to this. But I talked to Sinquez about sitting in that room at Fenway Park, you know, and then you know, not negotiating for hours, but basically trying to convince him to come, I mean, partly negotiation, but them trying to convince him with seven, you know, backed with seven figures of ammunition to come sign the dotted line and come play baseball with them. And, you know, he kind of had the stones and he mentioned his mom wasn't really steering him. His mom was with him. They kept trying to make his mom leave the room. Like it wasn't predatory, but they were, they knew what they were doing. And he kind of had the, the level head to say, no, I'm going to go to Ole Miss. Now, it's arguable whether it worked out for Sinquez or not. You know, he did get drafted in the first – It's a different round. deal, though. It is a different deal. But he made a decent chunk of money, right, either way. So, like, yeah. um, success. But just – I just – all that aside, having that type of head on your shoulders at that age to kind of make, I guess, a more sound decision in the long term – or a safer decision, higher percentage play in the long term – is uh, something I've always admired. So kind of getting yeah. that back into Jackson Job. He's what's he in perfect game? I can't remember, but he's he's rated as a first round draft pick by everybody. Exactly. And so 
and he's the type of he and it, it, it's, it's more of a vibe of he's going you know gunner showing up was a little bit of a surprise but i would say jackson job would be a much bigger one yeah um and the reason job is going to be a much bigger one is because this has been projected by job for a long time gunner kind of flashed on the scene his senior year of high school like yeah. he was known about but his senior year kind of put him over the top um yeah so the thing is like when you're leaving high school do you want to make a million dollars or, you know, maybe $2 million? Do you want to go have a better shot at playing in the major leagues? Because it's been shown over time that guys that go out of high school don't make it as high of a rate as, as guys that go to college. And there's reasons for that. Like, man, think about how different you are at 22 versus 18 or 21 versus 18. Like, I was still an idiot at 21, but I wasn't as big of an idiot. Um, you know, so – I think there is data, and I, I'm pretty confident Ole Miss uses this in recruiting that supports, look, if you want to go to the major leagues, you need to go to college. It's your best path. Now, look, if you're a top five draft pick, top ten draft pick, sure. You're talking about top 30, top 35, that becomes a different story. So it's where does Jackson Joe get, get drafted? I mean, if he's a top five player, then, yeah, you probably just need to go. If he's a top 35 player, then I think he's got a different decision to make. Obviously, you know, if those guys get drafted in those spots, they're gone. Like, getting drafted, you know, like Hayden Dunhurst could have been what, when he came out of school, probably a second-round pick. But I don't even think he got drafted. He may got drafted later or whatever. But, yeah, it's, it's just that situation of do you want to make a million dollars right now? Or do you want to go to Ole Miss or State? I mean, JT again did the exact same thing Hoagland's done, and it worked out for him. I think he already got 50% more of a signing bonus, and he got drafted to a team that probably is going to get him up a little bit quicker than the Dodgers ever would have um, in the Mets. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think I responded to him that I've thought about that a lot. I, I think, look, I don't know anything about Jackson Job's signability. I don't know his number. I know nothing. I do think the more we get into college baseball – the, or, or the farther the years go in college baseball, the more and more prospects you're going to see show up because it's just been shown over time it's the quickest way to get to Major League Baseball. And not all first-round grades are the same, right? I mean, unless you have the elite of the elite and it's the guys in the top five, top seven, top ten, whatever, like the first-round grade where the kid ends up going late first round is not nearly the same. And that's kind of where you see, I guess, kind of the discrepancy in kids that go to the college route versus professional most of the time, it, it, at least it seems like. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know. It's interesting to me. I wish I could actually find some data on it. Um, and I'm sure it's out there. I'm just too lazy to look it up. But, man, it, it just feels like the guys now more and more that you see going and playing in the SEC or the Big 12 or the ACC are the guys that get up extremely fast and, and are kind of long mainstays in the league. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I think going forward, though, man, you're, you're going to see a lot more guys like Gunnar Hoagland and JT Ginn and that type of thing come to school. Hayden Dunhurst to Kemp Alderman um, show up at school. Next one we have – where are we going next? Thoughts on K.J. Buffin transferring? I'll let you have this one because I know nothing. Um, I just know he's leaving. I don't know much about this uh, either. I haven't really checked in on it much. I saw it two-ish days ago, whatever it was, day and a half. Um, I don't think they anticipated that. I can say that much. Uh, I was just more thinking of it in what a strange career. You know, Kermit had yeah. him going to middle, if I'm not mistaken. I always get he and Henson confused. Kermit had him going to middle. Then he comes in and he flashes a little bit as a freshman. He and Henson 
it was like, oh, these are two guys they can build around for a while. They're on the NCAA tournament team. They kind of hit the freshman wall after a while, even though Kermit doesn't believe in that. But after that state game, in particular with Henson, he wasn't the same player. Buffin kind of tapered off too. And you remember the first five games of K.J. Buffin's sophomore year? You're like, holy hell, who the hell is this guy? Like, I remember writing a story that he was going to be a 17-10 and 10 guy in the SEC. And then two weeks later, we're sitting there riding. Once they actually kind of played real competition and real opponents, you're kind of sitting there talking about, like, what's the deal with this guy fouling all the time? And we discussed this the other night where he kind of – he's not a bad kid, but he had that quote one time where it was like, I just be – he's like, I'll just be doing stupid stuff, like fouling when I, I don't need to. And I was like, well, I guess at least you're honest. But, like, I, I still don't really get that. And then he just became, kind of came in that talented but frustrating category for the better part of two seasons. And now he's left. If you made me bet on K.J. Buffin's career as a freshman in 2018, I would not have guessed it ended like this, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I, I'm completely with you there. and Maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but, man, leaving before the NIT fills – and I'm not blaming the kid by any stretch of imagination saying, you, you should have stayed, stuck it out. You, you know, that's what teams do or whatever. Kind of felt a little personal to me that, that he, you don't stick around to finish the season. Um, so, and the I don't way Kermit – the way Kermit answered yeah. that, the questions about it too, where he was just like, I'm not going to talk about it. He's not with us for the NIT. I want to talk about the guys that's there. It seems like, seems like there, was a, there was a rub to add on to your point. Yeah. Yeah, so that one, that one felt a little bit personal. And then when you think back, uh, you know, he takes a game off uh, for mental health issues, which obviously, look, I'm a big proponent of. Um, and then, you know, Kermit has the quote after the Arkansas game where he calls him out. He said, I don't know what I can do to get K.J. Buffin to play hard or whatever he said. Something to that effect, I'm um, paraphrasing. But, you know, he calls him out. That There, there was the riff there. Uh, just kind of felt like throughout the year. And, again, I don't – you know, I'm not – you know, a basketball aficionado, and I don't have a ton of info over there, but that that, that felt like a relationship that had been on the rocks for a little while. Agree. Um, you know, and maybe it's, some of it is Kermit's style. I mean, look, AK didn't use – AK never really, like, openly ripped his kids, um, like, directly. No. Like, sometimes he would make smart-ass jokes and kind of make you read in between the lines and you kind of pick up what he's putting down. Like, I mean, I've, I've told this story before. I mean, the whole – I mean, there's, there's quite a few examples of it, even just the first two years and first year of covering Kermit, that first year where they could have locked up their bid at Arkansas and they kind of blew the game late. Yeah. And he ran, I would say, it's a questionable play for that scenario where Word like, Bob was supposed to come back and catch the basketball and hand it to Bob and hand Bria. it to Brian, who kind of flies up the floor, which that's fine if you don't have a ton of time and you do it towards half court. He was doing it 73 feet away from the basket. Like, again, Kermit – no, it's forgotten more basketball than I'll ever know. I'm not questioning him, but the play didn't seem to make a ton of sense, and it didn't work. And he just comes back in the lot. He, you know, he got asked about it in post game. He's like, "Yep, been running that for 20 years. Never had the five men not handed off. Don't know what Dom was doing." Like, he'll very look at it. There, kind of say there was like that. If you look at it, there wasn't a whole lot of room to hand it either. <laughs> I love it. This is now we're a Dom Dominico and Echek defense podcast. If you I'm just saying, there wasn't a whole lot of room for Dom to give that thing off. No, I, I, I don't I don't disagree. Um, so you know that kind of style and maybe that kind of abrasiveness doesn't really mix well. And K, AK used to do that behind the scenes, like in practice and stuff. He wore those dudes down, and once Bill Armstrong left, there was no kind of good cop to serve as the buffer. Um, and I don't know what Kermit's like as much in practice. I, you know, I haven't been on the beat in a year. Um, I kind of got an idea of it when I was there. 
But I, I just think certain coaching styles cause rubs and rifts, and it seems like to some degree there was something there. That's pretty much all I can say with any certainty. Yeah. But yeah. what is um, career? Like, so yeah. I'm just looking at his – I was looking at his game logs last week – or, excuse me, from last year earlier today just trying to get an idea of, like, what actually did this kid do? And it, he has 20 points last year to late January in Florida. Granted, they lost the game. He scores 20. And six days later, he plays 32 minutes at A&M and does not score. And then six days after that, he scores 20. And then – Nine and then two and then fifteen again three games later. It's just it, it's it's a bizarre stat line. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Look, man, they're gonna have a lot of people that got to replace because I mean, Ramello's leaving, Hadeem C's gone, Sean Robinson's gone, KJ Buffin's gone. I don't know if they have anybody left that's over six nine on that team or over six eight on that team. So gonna have to go get some forwards from the uh, transfer portal or somewhere because otherwise you are going to be one small basketball team next year. Yep, and that whole week that made Ole Miss's NCAA tournament, they basically sealed their bid and sealed their fate that 2018 year. KJ has like 16 and four, 16 and five, something like that, in the home win over Auburn, and then Blake goes nuts at state. And you're like, these two guys are kind of the future. Uh, to some, neither are here. Neither one of them are here. Uh, you know, because they just didn't play well enough. I mean, they kind of ran Henson off when they you know tried to turn over the roster last year and kind of hit on a couple guys. I say hit on a couple guys, landed a couple of dudes. And uh, there was no room for him. So, I don't know, man. He just – I just don't think he's ever going to be consistent enough to be a guy that you can play through and can kind of count on for, for significant numbers over a 32-minute stretch. How he can't stay on the floor half the time. He, yeah. he can't play 32 minutes a night and give you consistent numbers. There's going to be some nights where he gives you nothing. And if you're allotting that kind of minutes to that guy, that's just not – you're not going to be good, I guess. I will say this. Do a hell of a lot worse than him, though. So you better go get somebody in the transfer portal that's going to make an impact. Because look, I I don't think KJ Buffin's a star or anything, but there there there's a place for him. I feel like on an SEC basketball floor. So you better go find somebody that can at least give you his level of of competency or or someone better. Because I don't know, man. If you start bringing in big guys that can't play, uh, which we saw two years ago, but it gets kind of rough. That it does. Um, and that's his kind of Kermit specialty. Granted, he, he nailed it with Ramella White, but that was kind of a known commodity. Like, the, yeah. good on him. You can't discount that. Don't get me wrong. Good on him for landing him. But, like, front court dudes are kind of Kermit's thing. And you know, that one didn't pan out. And the second part of this guy's question was, what do you think that says about Kermit? Most of the guys from his first two classes are gone. Well, granted, I think some of that, okay, a little bit that's, that's fair, but that's just kind of the nature of college basketball at this point. It, it is, but you, you're telling me that over, what, you know, two years you don't have anybody left and nobody's left for the NBA. Um, so, I, I, look, yes, yeah, some of that is just college basketball. You're going to get transfer markets. You're going to run kids out. But you start talking about, you know, guys leaving after this year, you know, from uh, Franco Miller, uh, you know, K.J. Buffin, Blake Henson, you know, I don't know. I, I don't think it's probably right to say it's an issue yet, but it does kind of raise some antennas. No, it's not nothing, but I do think no. a lot of it is just kind of the nature of, of this this industry and, and the, I say the industry, just college basketball and the way it goes right now. Here, you want to go through it? I had it pulled up real quick as just a content item once I saw this kid's question. <laughs> His 2018 class is Blake Henson, Luis Rodriguez. Okay, that's good. Uh, K.J. Buffin, gone. Carlos Curry, gone. Brian Hallams, I don't even remember. Is he real? You could tell me he was fake. Yeah, he, he, he played at ICC. And, yeah. 
And uh, Franco Miller. God. 2019 class. He had Austin Crowley, still here. Sean Robinson, gone. Hadim C, gone. Sammy Hunter. Still here. Is he here in two weeks or in a month? Yeah. Yeah, Probably, yeah. Yes. I mean, he's the only big guy on your roster right now that's coming back. Bryce Williams uh, playing significant minutes on the NCAA tournament team that's a four seed. Um, he's a starter. Uh, and yeah. Dude Column, who's – He's gone. Yeah, I was going to say, if he at best, probably gone in 2020. He better be – look, uh, dude's a nice kid and he works hard. If he's not gone, then Ole Miss has a problem next year. Yep. 2020 was better, kind of. Romello transfer, yes. Robert Allen transfer, uh, Marcus Kneeblack. That kid hasn't shown up yet, if I'm not mistaken. No, he's in Juca. Yeah, uh, Matthew Morell, and uh, that was it. So, yeah. And then 2021, he's got three kids committed. He's got Ruffin, he's got James White, and then he's got Grant Slayton. Slatton, excuse me. Without Slayton, knowing, yeah. Not, without knowing a ton about this kid, his uh, headshot, this kid could have played at MRA. Um, so... <laughs> Apparently, he just shoots the ball like shoots the dickens out of it. So, uh, that would be helpful for Ole Miss this year. Yeah, I bet he's a gym rat. So, but in all seriousness, he, in all seriousness, to this guy's point, I mean, we've talked about this for a while. I mean, it's, it's not any secret. Kermit needs to start hitting, particularly on backcourt guys, like more often. And so, that kind of starts with Morrell taking a jump. Because if Morrell takes a jump next year, you can't really fault the freshman thing, right? It just happens. It, it's no. a huge jump. But if he doesn't pan out next year – What if he plays like Crowley next year, though? Right, exactly. And, you know, Bryce Williams. Like, can you say Bryce Williams is – like, was he a a miss? Because he's – I mean, I'll pull up his numbers if we need to. He's he's starting at Oklahoma State. He's a good player. Yeah, he's fine. Um, Yeah. I I don't know how you label it a miss. I mean, that feels like a development issue. Now, look, let's also keep this in some context. Cade Cunningham really helps. but, yeah, I mean, look, Bryce Williams could have played at Ole Miss and, and, and they told him to get lost uh, and somehow added something called Demencio Vaughn to the roster. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a miss on Ole Miss's part because obviously he had the talent to contribute to Division One and Power Five level. Yep. And uh, we'll get to another question real quick, but we need to take a break. We've got more deals for the subscribers, and you uh, you can't really beat this. This podcast is now brought to you again by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. I mentioned LB's Greg earlier. Uh, did the podcast with me Wednesday. Go listen to it. We filled out a bracket without being able to see a bracket. But uh, he's back on board. It was just a matter of me calling him and us hammering some stuff out. But we're going to be doing twice-weekly specials. So if you're a subscriber to the newsletter, you're going to get twice-weekly specials, and you're going to get deals at LB's. The first one, and if you're a subscriber, you should have gotten an email on Thursday that I sent out to subs only, uh, not available on just the website itself. Uh, one pound of ribeye sausage. All you have to do is go show them the email, which serves as a promo code, walk into LB's, and you get one pound of ribeye sausage, spicy ribeye sausage. That stuff is delectable. So all you have to do is hit subscribe. And I'm doing, I'm carrying the one, and after taxes and inflation, the price of subscribing to this website comes out to zero dollars and zero cents. That seems like a decent investment. As I said, then you're going to have to explain to me who I've been paying. Yeah, exactly. We're uh, we're dis- we're disruptors in the journalism industry. What happens here is I'm actually paying myself. So I Venmo myself. You Venmo me. So <laughs> you pay me to create free content. That's the new business model that's going to fix this industry. We have solved journalism. 
But in all seriousness, what a deal. So all you have to be a subscriber to a, to the newsletter. Uh, you get newsletter with information, uh, dumb jokes, everything in between every day. You hit subscribe and you're going to get two, essentially two deals a week at LB's, which is absolutely the best place in Mississippi to get meat, sausages, steaks, all kinds of stuff. And Greg's going to switch up the deals every week. I don't know how you could beat this. So go hit subscribe. It's rippywrites.substack.com. Listen to the podcast. But again, Got to, got to mash that subscribe button to get the promo code. So check him out, LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Baseball season, it's grilling season. You really don't want to miss this. And like I said, you hit subscribe tonight, tomorrow, whenever you listen to this podcast. The deal lasts through the weekend. I'll send you the promo code manually. So if you haven't subscribed yet, you, can't, uh, you can be eligible for this first one, and we'll have another one beginning of next week. Uh, Greg's hooking you up as he hooks everybody up. There you go. There you go. Greg, Greg's yeah. good dude. We like Greg. Absolutely. Good people. So check him out. LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Let's knock out the rest of these mailbag questions, hit some baseball and uh, get out of here in time for this Michigan State game. Uh, here's a quick one. Have you trademarked the people's holiday yet? It's been trademarked in my brain for a while. But once we make a shirt, I feel like no one's allowed to do it. Like, like I mentioned, if you show up to work in a people's holiday shirt, the guy's going to be like, oh, these guys are legit. He doesn't have to do anything today. Same word with the trademark in my mind. There you go. Absolutely. It's, it's a waste of time to trademark it because you, you, you already have it in your brain, so there we go. Best way to deal with the loss of a loved one. Oh, what? Oh. Next question. Yeah, not to be disrespectful, but wrong pod. Uh, <laughs> yeah, buddy. I'd like, if you, look, uh, I, I'm sorry for what you're going through, but if you come here expecting empathy, you've got the wrong two guys. I, yeah, I didn't know where that was going when I started reading it. That was my bad. Anyway, I, I might cut that. So, good luck. Um. <laughs> Uh, the white, the white Denzel, who's state fan five five thousand twenty four. I appreciate any and every state fan who listens to this podcast. Will the yeah. UK version of Tiger Woods golf game be better than the EA version? Um, to be honest, I hadn't read a lot up on this, but I am in the market for a gaming system, and I would. You've been you, in the market for a gaming system for like years, though. I know, and then I moved, and then I just haven't. You're right; it's literally been since quarantine started. I've been telling you this, maybe even longer. <laughs> And then I was waiting on the PS5. And now, to, in fairness, when the PS5 first came out, it was like, I, I, I can't buy this right now. Hell, you literally couldn't or you're breaking. No. So I would say in the next month or so, I'll probably pull the trigger. And uh, I will buy the uh, Tiger Woods game to test it out myself. I'm not a huge video game savant to let you know in general which games are better, like EA or 2K. But uh, you know, 2K seemed like they kind of had the basketball market corner. Once upon a time, there was the NBA EA version that wasn't as good. Um, so I imagine 2K would do a pretty damn good job. I bet golf games with modern graphics and stuff now are sick. I haven't played Tiger Woods since like two. I would say the last Tiger Woods I played was 2015. Um, but I bet 2K could make a pretty sick version of it. Did uh? So growing up, were you a big video game guy? Did you play like Halo and Call of Duty and stuff? So no, I played a lot of sports games. I played. Yeah, I did too. Really, it was just a lot of NCAA football. I dabbled in yeah. a little bit of Madden. Loved the golf. Loved some NBA 2K basketball. Um, so, I was I the same Halo way. Like sucked at Call of Duty. Sucked at shoot 'em up games. Yeah. See, I didn't. I didn't play shooting games like at all when I was, and it wasn't like my parents wouldn't let me. It was just I had no interest. And then, like, I don't know, three years ago, I got addicted to Fortnite. And I, like, I say addicted, like, kind of jokingly. But I would play for like five and six hours on end. Like, I absolutely – no, I, I wish I could go back and play it. I mean, I could, but I, I, I absolutely got addicted to Fortnite. Did you get in on that craze? Yeah, buddy, we're one in the same. So, I haven't uh, 
I haven't. So again, I didn't do shoot 'em up games. I just it wasn't that I didn't like them. Well, I mean, they didn't really pique my interest, and right. I was terrible Same. at them. Awful. I could do Halo decently. The Call of Duty, I was awful. Well, fifth year of college, first year of grad school, I guess you'd say. I wasn't taking a victory lap. I lived with two guys that had an Xbox, and that's when Fortnite became Fortnite. Right. And I would say I was about two months later than most to get into it. But for about five and a half months, I was I was hooked on Fortnite, where that's all we were doing. We were passing like around the controller, like trying to get solo victories for like sometimes literally all night. Like come home from class, and that yeah. was it. And, and so I had my friend group was moving houses and not having an up to date gaming system. Yeah, I had a I had my friend group, and we and I'm not kidding, we would play until two in the morning, pretty much every night. Like it was. It was about four or five of us, and we'd you know we'd rotate. Somebody else wouldn't be on or whatever, but pretty much every night till two in the morning, we were we were playing Fortnite. That was some of the most fun. Um, I don't know what it is about like battle royal games, but you want to talk about getting dudes' interest peaked? I feel like battle royal games are it. Oh, absolutely. And then we've talked about this before, but during quarantine, one of the main reasons I wanted to have one was the two guys I lived with in Oxford before I moved, both had them, and they would play with like with our buddies that were in Houston or Dallas or wherever. And it was like kind of hanging out with them to a degree where you don't normally yeah. see them or talk with them that much. And I'm sitting there watching Shark Tank with the beer in my hand, just sitting there. So like that, that was not the most fun part of it. But it is cool. It kind of brings people together, like even if you live far apart. Yeah, um, I absolutely agree. So I don't know. I'm a big video game guy now. So I'm excited for the show to come out. I think it's going to be really good this year. Oh, the, I always liked the baseball game, too. I liked it, I would say, more than most did. Uh, yeah. The uh, individual deal where you could kind of make it up to the show, I, I was big into that on PSP back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, so, I still have a PS4. I'm probably going to upgrade that really soon. The – let's see. What else we got? Oh, we had a follow-up to the, uh, the burglar uh, question that said uh, only mild inconveniences – uh, Colby Joseph Wallace says, "Just peel all the labels off the canned goods." That's another good one. Ooh, ooh that's that, That's the best one. Goodness. Yeah, that would that would suck, particularly for a guy who didn't see colors that well. Although on canned goods, I guess all the colors the same when you peel the label off, right? Just you, you, you a big cooking guy? No, not at all. Bit? I, uh, I dabbled in the air fryer and I can grill, but like in terms of just whipping stuff up in the kitchen, no, sir. Uh, California pizza kitchen, as far as I'll go. <laughs> So it's like frozen pizzas, or I'm I'm calling it takeout. Pretty much, like I'm not I'm not putting any ingredients together. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Are you? Uh, I can like, so I'm domesticated enough where I could survive without having to go to a restaurant. But yeah, let's not let's not get crazy. Like I was okay during quarantine, but like after about two and a half weeks, I feel like me cooking for myself every day became a safety issue. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. The uh. We'll see. Last one we have here. Worst uniforms, Ole Miss gray in baseball or Mississippi? Are you not going to answer Randy's question? Oh, no, no. Sorry. Second to last one. I was saving that for last. Uh, worst uniforms, Ole Miss baseball gray or Mississippi State's uh, gold-themed egg bowl Oof. uniforms? I'll have a nuanced Oops. answer here. The answer is State's because they look more worse on the surface. But I might actually take, take the answer to Ole Miss because Ole Miss's gray uniforms have potential and they just pick the worst design possible. It's like right, I'm mad so at those. Does, does it hurt the gray uniforms that all of, like, pretty much all their other uniforms are, you know, fire? 
Like, I feel like there's such a fall off there that that makes it the answer that the grays may not actually be worse than Mississippi State's gold uniforms, but because you have the powder blues, and I think Ole Miss's reds are really great, um, that it may, it's so much worse than the other uniforms that it makes it just feel god-awful. Man, I, I guess, but they're old grays I liked. The classic Major League Baseball away uniform with the, the middle stripes and the and the button-up, those were great. Like, what is this yeah. blue bullshit under the armpits? Their old gray uniforms are awesome, but I don't think the players like them. They don't. Um, I like, My favorite almost, even more than the powders, was the all-whites that they used to have. Yes, they retired. that. Why did they do that? I have no idea, but those were awesome. I get that it's cause, probably because of the powder blues, but why can't you rotate both? Why can't you rotate the navy and the white they, on weekends? They've worn them with powder, like, because they wore them three years ago, I think. I don't yeah, know. And then retired them, I think. I think they overlapped for a year. Yeah, it's infuriating. Yeah, because I like the white ones too, not the pinstripe whites, the, the right. old Saturday whites. Right, with the red – there are the uh, blue rebels across the chest. Yes, those were great uniforms. And I like the pinstripes too, uh, don't get me wrong. But, like, I just you – know, even though Mike's pants are half size too big, I still do enjoy the pinstripes. I just – I don't understand that either. Like, could – if you had to ditch one, I guess you ditched the gray, but I guess you have to have a gray one. But why can't we have room for all of them? Like, can, can I yeah. get home lights again? I don't know. I, but I, I think I would go with the answer is the grays. Last question is from Ray. I'm going to just let you take the floor here because it feels like you have a por- uh, personal story to tell. <laughs> Randy, uh, mind – I can't say it. Mind F. Morgan. I think I can say it. I don't have any rules, but my mom listens to this sometimes, so she gets mad. <laughs> Would you rather poop in the toilet at a party knowing it will clog an overflow or poop in the bushes outside the party with no toilet paper? Um, I'm going outside in the bushes. Uh, I'm not going to go full on this story. I'm going to have oh, to. Oh, come uh, on. Come on. There's no rules. You got, you, got to, you got to tell the full story. Okay. So hold me to it next week because I need to, even if I don't name them, I need to check with said other people involved <laughs> because to a certain segmentation of the podcast, it will be obvious, and I feel like the word might spread. So can I take a rain check on saying that – I'll tease it with this. I had a somewhat similar, not as bad or traumatic experience with this one time uh, at a – At a party? party? Or, yes. Uh, get okay. to, I would call it a get-together, which almost makes it worse. But hold me to it to next Friday. If you re-ask it, I'll, I'll do the proper homework and, and figure out a way to not. So, so hold on. You have to at least tell us what, what was your, what, what did you wind up choosing? Outside. Okay. <laughs> That's why my answer to this is outside. Okay. So, so my answer may not be completely fair. Um, the, in real life, I'll, I'll leave it at this. this. Is the last thing I'm saying on this. Yeah, that, that's what I, I wanted your real life answer when you were in the scenario. What did you do? No, I know. I I, I just answered you in real like I gave you a uh, love answer, but the actual answer was uh, I'm leaving it at this until I do my homework. A little bit of both. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I can't do this right now. I can't tell this on the fly without getting myself or someone else in trouble. So if you made it this far in the podcast, just remind Stop me. Yeah, it's, it's close, I would say. It's as bad as you think. So what is your answer to this? And then we'll move on. It's outside. Good God. It's outside and call an Uber. Yeah, there is a, my Uber was a buddy who made me ride in a truck bed on the way home. But anyway. <laughs> 
I'm not going to cut this, but I should. So give, give me your answer so I can move on. Get outside. <laughs> Made you ride in the truck. Well, was it cold? Like, was it February? No, it was July, and in, in, in oh. complete fairness, either Uber back then was either just starting. It was not mainstream enough to where high school me is calling an Uber to get myself out of a sticky situation, literally. Situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was uh, that was quite the night. Do we have the E by our name on on pod on uh, the podcast stuff yet? Oh yeah, no, I, I I played on the safe side and checked it when I applied for Apple Pod. I don't think Spotify cares. Make sure we check that. Yeah. So thank you for that, Randy. I couldn't help, but uh, I couldn't help. I couldn't help myself. I had to uh, had to at least tease it. Maybe I'll uh, go into a little more detail next week. I've really just got to evaluate my self-esteem. Um, so, let's uh, reel it back in just slightly. Ole Miss plays a very important baseball series this weekend yeah. against the Auburn Tigers. And Ole Miss now sits at 13-4. and four. They got absolutely shellacked at Louisiana Tech. Uh, we haven't talked since the whole COVID issues thing. So they, that game, that series got eliminated from one game to two. Excuse me. I just said, I can't think now. This whole question has got my brain fried. Two games to one because of uh, potential COVID issues uh, inside uh, Ole Miss's baseball program. I just assumed, and I know Chase reported this later too, but my initial reaction was, not later, Chase reported it. My initial reaction was, it's probably on the pitching staff, right, if you're if you're playing the first game yeah. and the second, it's got to be a depth issue, right? Because in theory, you could play without three, four starting position players, but if it starts eating away at your pitching depth, you can't play two games. Right. It, it was a pitcher. Um, so I don't know what quarantine looked like, but yeah, that was that was, that was was the reason for that. Uh, not a great performance at Louisiana Tech, and I don't know if anybody listened to Mike's post-game interview on the radio, but uh, five was not happy. Oh, I don't miss those nights, man. I I, I didn't He's listen to it. Embarrassment. Me. I can only imagine. <laughs> called it an embarrassment. Pathetic. All sorts of adjectives. Oh, really? Oh, it was bad. Yeah, it was like I I don't know how we play like this. We're not good right now. This was an embarrassment. We have to get a lot better. Honestly, good on Mike for kind of being that firm, but uh. You know what that means? If if that was what he was saying on radio and a little Ooh. inside baseball here, Mike has uh, three levels to what he does in the post game. Yeah, he goes to the players where I would say there's really nothing holding him back in terms of what he like saying what on his mind in whatever tone he wants. Then he goes back up and usually not sugarcoats it, but is very much more put together talking to TV radio. And then he comes to us afterward, and I would say it's somewhere in between. I would say it's closer to what he talked – like how he talked with his players huddled in the outfield. I bet that outfield huddle was brutal. Have you ever stood close enough to one of the outfield huddles to see what he's saying? Yeah, yeah yes, I have. And so what's funny is – so with particularly at home games, and the it's a little easier if you ever go on the road with them and play in some of their crappier parks, particularly yeah. – um, I say if Ole Miss is one, they're not usually playing music, uh, but and he's not mad. But you can hear it a little bit easier in the smaller parks. At Swayze, you can catch pieces of what he's saying. Like it's like little blips where you're like, you know how we, like if your neighbor at an apartment complex is in a fight with someone, you can yeah. be like, oh, they're not happy, but you don't know exactly word for word. It's like that. Okay. Gosh. Gosh. But he doesn't hold back on those dudes. <laughs> <laughs> no. So I imagine that wasn't pleasant. 
No, I, I that, that right field that. meeting in Ruston was not a fun experience, I'm guessing. No, I, I, I bet it was. A lot just, of four-letter words. I mean, hell, they, they, they had one run, six hits, three errors. Oh, uh, one through five in the batting order was two for 15, and both those hits came from Mr. Kevin Graham. Maybe a five-letter word, too. Yeah, it wasn't great. Um, that was embarrassing. Um, but the good news is it doesn't really matter. Um, you went two this weekend. Everybody will forget about it. I think they went two this weekend. So, um, as long as – look, SEC play we, – we know this. SEC play is what matters. As long as you don't embarrass yourself in non-conference. And, frankly, Ole Miss is not going to lose many more non-conference games. You did what you needed to do in Dallas. Probably did more than you had to do. Um, so, as long as the SEC play goes like it should, then you'll be fine. Now, where the concern comes in is you can't play like you've played the last uh, two games in SEC play and do well. So you better play a whole hell of a lot better. Otherwise, you're you're going to go 14 and 16 and get embarrassed. Very well said. And that's pretty much what I wrote in the Wednesday newsletter. Because uh, I got asked by someone uh, beforehand uh, what to make of it from a pitching standpoint. I made very little of it from a pitching standpoint. Yeah. Because uh, Mallet, yeah, they started the game with four doubles, and that obviously not ideal, suboptimal, some might say, old radio uh, shtick. But <laughs> he actually recovered pretty well, puts up three zeros, and and kind of shook off some adversity. But man, when the and no disrespect to the kid, but when the first guy out of your pen is Logan Savelle, that probably tells you all you need to know from a pitching standpoint. I just don't make a ton of that. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't um, no, it didn't go well. You didn't hit. No, I'm not going to make a ton out of that game. Now, if you want to say there's some issues that you're worried about going into SEC play, absolutely, because uh, I'm there with you. I don't think the, uh, I don't think Ole Miss's bullpen is is, you know, where it needs to be. There were some guys that didn't pitch well on Tuesday night that you're going to rely on come this weekend. So, yeah, um, but this weekend is what matters. And if you had to make me guess, I, I think Ole Miss wins too this weekend. So, we'll see. Um, I'm not concerned yet. I know a lot of people are kind of down on this team, concerned about them. I, I kind of get that. But I think if you win two this weekend, you win two at Alabama, you're four and two. Um, I think heading to Florida, I can't really remember what the third choose is. You're, you're in perfectly fine position. So that, that's kind of what you need to get done over the next two weeks. Yeah, I would uh, I would agree. But, is it, but like you said, they have to play better. I mean, they yeah. – it, it's – I hate comparing the last two teams I covered to everything that happens to Ole Miss, but like, there's been like a slight, like particularly with some of the defensive gaps, it's like a slight like 2019-ish vibe sometimes where they're just they haven't all, like after the whole Arlington thing, and then when they lost to UCF, like, granted they swept Belmont, but like it just hadn't felt like they bring it every single night. No, it doesn't, and you know you're gonna have to in the SEC. You're gonna get, like I said, you're gonna get embarrassed because. Going to be nights where you play well and you don't really win. So uh, you better bring it every night if you're over 30 games. If you're going to, you know, look up, be a national seed. And I think that's what everybody should expect from this team is that they should, look, they're talented enough to be a national seed. I think anything out less of that outside of maybe being a nine or a 10 seed is kind of underachieving. So, um, yeah, look, we'll see this weekend. I, I've said that for a while. Everybody kind of panicked, you know, with the ULM loss and the Louisiana Tech loss. And I get it because there's issues. You know, you win two games this weekend or, you know, maybe three, um, nobody's going to really care. Um, especially, look, if you win this series this weekend, I, I think it's fair to say, especially after what happened the first week of the season, that almost is probably a really good baseball team that just kind of played down to their competition. So. Agreed. And, you know, we talked about the whole, like, 
you know, riding high and that kind of warping expectations because of how they played last year and the restart and all that. Like, in all likelihood, as good as that 2020 team may have been, there was going to be a world where, like, last year they would have struggled at some point. They would have lost back-to-back series or gotten swept or something sure. and hit a crossroads. It's just kind of part of how – I mean, it's kind of how the sport works, right? Like, it's how it's how it's designed or whatever. And it just – it happens. And I just think you know, fan base-wise, they hadn't experienced that in a while, and it kind of warps what, you know – kind of your expectations or whatever, whatever that may be, but they do need to play better. And I guess before we get too far into it, what's kind of the, uh, the scout on Auburn because their offensive approach has not been consistent and at times is bordered on just very bad. And, you know, now you're facing SEC pitching and you can't do that for three games in a row because you'll get beat twice, maybe three times. Yeah. Um, Auburn's going to look Josh Hall, uh, former Ole Miss, I think Ole Miss player. I think he's going to start all three games this weekend. He appears to start. For Auburn against right-handed pitching has had a good year. Uh, they've really hit the baseball. I think they have two quality starters in Green Hill and uh, maybe Barnett. I can't remember his name. Uh, they're, they're Saturday guy. I think both of those guys are really good. Green Hill, our Friday night guy, doesn't get deep in the game so far. If you'll remember, he's been their closer their first three years on campus, and now he's become the Friday night guy. Um, I, I Look, Gunnar Hoagland should win on Friday night. He's, he's a lot better. Cody Greenhill's a really good pitcher. Gunnar Hoagland's a lot better. Um, Ole Miss should win on Friday night. Drew McDaniel versus uh, Auburn Saturday's guy is going to be a war. Um, and then I think Ole Miss is better on Sunday, uh, regardless who Auburn throws. They haven't announced who they're going to throw yet. Um, so I don't know. I, I, Auburn's going to hit, but their bullpen's atrocious. If you can get these guys out early, then you've got a really good chance against the bullpen that has just been uh, not decimated. That's not the right word, but just gotten the crap kicked out of them. So, you know, that, that's Ole Miss's goal is, is to get these guys off the mound early, get into that bullpen. Um, if you do that, really good chance you win two and a possibility you win three. Uh, common opponents-wise, uh, UCF opened the year against Auburn. <laughs> is that correct? No, that was last year. Excuse me, that was last year. Okay. Um, who did uh, – that's right, UCF was the they – got, they got beat by FAU because they didn't have their coach. That's right. So, anyway, yeah, it's interesting because – you know, you don't have Doug McKay, who Mike said earlier in the week, just not going to – he said after that game is not going to pitch this weekend. I bet he loved admitting that while he was pissed off um, doing his radio. Yeah. But Doug McKay out another week. We kind of were – not on that. We kind of hinted and suggested that most of the time. I just I, – from the feel and vibe of reading about the injury, it just didn't feel realistic. I think he's maybe back next weekend and definitely back by Florida. Uh, I think he's uh, – I'm pretty confident he pitches against Alabama. So, definitely, like you said, against Florida. So, yeah, that sucks. Um, somebody's getting kicked out of the rotation next weekend, though. So, if you're Drew McDaniel or Derek Diamond, you both got a shot at, again to because Doug Nikhazy is coming back into the rotation when he's healthy. So, whichever one of those two pitches the best this weekend is liable or likely going to be the Sunday guy next week. Yeah, uh, I agree. And like, if you maybe if you're betting on it, who's out of the rotation? I think I know where you're going because I think I'm going the same way. We talked about this on Sunday. Yeah, Stommy. I think Stommy's out too, unless McDaniel gets torched. And particularly if you win a huge Saturday game like that, and McDaniel pitches well, like Diamond's all of a sudden, if Ole Miss wins that Saturday game and and McDaniel pitches well and and kind of has that electric stuff going and good command and all that, I mean. I don't know if this is even fair, but it's going to take kind of a mammoth performance for Diamond to to, to keep. Yep. It. Yep. If if McDaniel goes out and pitches well on Saturday and Ole Miss wins and everybody's feeling good, 
yeah, like you said, it's going to take a one hell of a performance on Sunday to keep that job because uh, they're they're really impressed. And I am too with Drew McDaniel so far. And the uh, Ole Miss Auburn Sunday guy's the kid that's been there forever, right? Uh, Zach uh, Jack Owen, excuse me. Um, Jack Owen. He had, they haven't announced a Sunday guy yet. Owen has been hurt all year. He hasn't pitched. I don't know if he's pitched at all this year yet. So are they fits in Greenhill or someone else Friday Saturday? Greenhill's on Friday. Um, I've got it somewhere. Uh, they they did like the pregame notes thing that you send out. Yeah. So I can try to pull it up. Um, but they announced Greenhill would go Friday after he didn't pitch against um Boston College two weeks ago. He was back last week. Um, they they were to be determined on Sunday though. So Friday is Cody Greenhill versus Gunnar Hogan. Saturday is Mason Barnett versus Drew McDaniel, and Sunday is to be announced versus Derek Dobb. Okay, I'm not if I'm not mistaken, uh, Barnett is a kid that they intended to have clo- uh, end up in the back of their pen. Okay, Are yeah, we- he is a sophomore. Um, that's interesting. Okay, so they must have had some injury stuff. I'm not completely in tune with Auburn. Don't get me wrong. Um, they Richard Fitz was going to be there. Was supposed to be in their rotation. He's a top 100 prospect. Just not gotten the job done so far this year. So they've moved him to the closer role. Interesting. You don't see the whole lot of uh, hey, you go to starter, you go to closer, and vice versa deal. <laughs> yeah. So, but look, uh, you know, Auburn's played, you know, six Power Five games so far against two um, against. Oklahoma and against Baylor, uh, played Texas A&M in a non-conference game and then played three games against Boston College. They are two and four in those games. Um, haven't really pitched it well in any of them uh, besides Texas A&M and the Boston College Saturday game. So, yeah, look, I'm, I'm, Auburn's got to find a lot of, out about their team this weekend. So, it'll be an interesting series for sure. Two biggest things you're trying to find out from Ole Miss this weekend from a personnel uh, standpoint is uh, – uh, well, I mean, that, that was pretty simple. Uh, who's going to play in place of Kale Baker? Is it LaFleur? Is it McCants? How do they do? Um, and who's going to win that Sunday job after this week? Um, the, the, those are the two biggest storylines for me going forward. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. That's exactly where I was headed with it. I don't, I don't think there's really – I mean, I, what else is there? I mean, you're, you're pretty much intact. Like, I mean, obviously, you don't want this Doug thing to linger, but like you were mentioning, you feel pretty good about that. Like, that's, that's really kind of it. I mean, that and how does this offense fare against SEC pitching, albeit a staff that has not thrown it well so far this year, but it's still a level up. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the, the offense is really what I'm interested in. I think Ole Miss is going to pitch it just fine. They always do. Um, offense performs well this weekend. You've got to be excited. If they struggle, it's probably a reason for concern. Agreed. Because, like, it, if they struggle, particularly against this staff, I mean, you're going to Alabama next weekend, then you got Florida, like – this is the I'm trying to think of the best way to put this it's bottom half of this 15 do I have my math right it's 15 weekends right no 10 weekends 10 weekends see 15 times three yeah um I would say bottom (laughs) half it's it's right in the middle to the bottom half of staffs they're going to face right I mean just off the top of your head yeah uh Vanderbilt Florida Mississippi State LSU Arkansas yeah five right there Yeah, that's five right there. So, um, yeah, easy. Any two guys in the lineup? You're, I want to see Elko obviously very hot, but like, does this translate against SEC pitching? Because how many times have we seen a guy from Ole Miss kind of rake it in the non-conference uh, and then sure. 
know, not as many straight balls and a little bit sharper uh, non-straight balls and a little bit better straight balls in the uh, in the conference slate, and they start to struggle a little bit. I'm interested to see if that translates. I think it does. I'm not doubting the kid at all. Um, but like, does does he and Kevin Graham's production taper off at all? Uh, particularly if all three of these kids are they all all three of these rotation kids are right-handed? Yes. Uh, well, there's only two right now, but yeah. Yeah, both yeah, of them are right-handed. I, Owen's right-handed, too, if they get throw him. And no, right-handed. Owen is actually left-handed. Okay. So, definitely facing two righties, probably two a righties. good chance of a third. Like, that probably bodes well for Kevin Graham, although he's hit left-handers better this year. Yeah. Um, so, that probably helps. But I'm kind of interested in that. Um, is there really anything else? Like, there's not a whole lot from an offensive standpoint other than just them collectively be better. No. I mean, you've got your eight guys that I think are going to be in the lineup every day. Um and then you got McCants and LaFleur that are going to battle it out, I think. So, we'll see. Um, that's that's kind of what I'm interested in, for sure. We've gone long enough. This is as good a place as any to uh, knock this out. We'll be, Colin and I will be back at it if you're available Sunday to recap this series. Uh, that podcast will drop on Monday. But, uh, yeah, I appreciate it, dude. This was fun. I'm looking forward to the weekend. You know, we haven't had ACC baseball in quite a while. I mean, as we're appreciating March Madness, probably appreciate having actual – not quite – I say actual quality baseball, the top level of the sport um, on television again. Yeah. Yeah, I actually uh, turned on Texas A&M in Florida, who started tonight, started their series tonight, and I was like, wow, haven't seen this in a long time. So, yeah, it, it is actually nice. It's been almost, what, two years now, a year and a half. So, actually nice to see SEC teams play each other. Absolutely. Check him out. He is at Colin Brister on Twitter. You don't have any underscores on, do you? No, just no, at Colin no, it's just my name. Keeps it simple. Um, I appreciate everyone tuning in. Reminder to go buy LBs. Hit subscribe on the newsletter and you're getting a free pound of ribeye sausage. Carry that shit to Swayze with you and what else you planned on grilling in the outfield. It's really hard to beat that deal. Go show him the email. Tell him uh, you listen to the podcast too. Greg always likes it when you pump up his picks. Speaking of picks, go check out Skybox Sports Picks. It's the best time of the year to do it. It's March Madness. They have March Madness packages, season packages, anything you want. Seriously, go check out Skybox Sports Picks. If you want this podcast to continue to grow, website continue to grow, more content from Colin and I, please go use these products. I mean, I'm, I'm not even – I'm not mincing words. Please go push <laughs> the products we we push because uh, that ultimately determines whether they keep paying us to uh, do this. So I appreciate everyone listening. Happy People's Holiday. Happy Mailbag Friday. Uh, thanks for joining me, dude. I'm looking uh, forward to Sunday. Absolutely, man. Everybody have a hey, safe and happy weekend, and we will be back at it later.